This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in to Players Only with Chiefs Radio Network color analyst Danon Hughes. Excellent throw and catch, just gets inside, uses his big body. No answer for number 87. And former NFL linebacker Joe Mays. Mays missed him first. And in typical North Dakota State toughness, Mays got up and stayed with it and got Newton from behind. Players Only, presented by U.S. Bank. Whatever your passion, U.S. Bank can help turn it into your next pursuit. What's going on, Chiefs Kingdom? Players Only is back in the building, just like we are each and every week, 6 to 7 p.m. here on 610 Sports. Chopping it up about the Chiefs. We got joy, we got happiness, and we got another opportunity for a Super Bowl trophy in the building with me. Joe Mays is not here handling his business down at the Leia Center. If you don't know about the Leia Center, check it out. Massage, cryotherapy, uh, a whole bunch of different holistic stuff and uh, some good things to get the wifey or the significant other to get down there. My wife and I have gone down there on several occasions. I know a lot of people here at Intercom have done the same. So make sure you go out and check out and support my man, Joe Mays. And then we got... <laughs> Every week, man, I'm just, I'm just sitting here waiting to man, see what you got to say. Can I, can I at least introduce you? Well, let me get my man, Joe Mays. Whoop, whoop. Can I had to get my man Joe Mays' whoop, whoop, because every week he loves to do that. I ain't, uh, now I'm not even introducing you. You don't have to. People know who I am. Anyway, that's Sean Barber. There yeah. you go. Sean Barber, Deal former linebacker it. in the NFL. Didn't remember that I played against him in, back in 1999. Yeah. I probably whopped him and, and, and pancaked him or something, but that's all right. We can get that. We can get to that at some point. The film don't lie. You, we ain't on the film. We, we, you showed me a film. I'm not on there from a game that I'm not a part of, and you keep trying to tell me just because I was on an active roster in 99 and that team played your team. Like I might have been hurt. It was a lot of things that might have gone on. I don't you remember. Scared? You might have been scared? <clears throat> we talked about fear. What about fear? Some people use that and determine, you know, face everything and run. That's not my definition of fear. What's your definition? Face everything and rise. Rise? Rise, sucker. Rise. <laughs> 
Well, there you have it. Players only. We are back. It is Sean and I only. And we miss Joe, but I'm sure he'll be back next week for that Super Bowl version of Players Only, the second to last show of the year. We'll come back to you that following week after the Super Bowl to recap all the greatness of 2020 and this playoff and Super Bowl run, hopefully a Super Bowl championship in tow. As always, our Players Only show is brought to you by our friends at U.S. Bank. Whatever your passion, U.S. Bank can help turn it into your next pursuit. Barbershop, I know we are excited about the Super Bowl run and how it's coming up. And for everyone out there, we do have Jay Southland Toe Service text line open, as well as the Comfort Systems Heating and Cooling Hotline, 913-576-7610. Shoot us out some notes. Uh, We got Julio in the building. He gave us some constructive criticism, told us our last week's show was on point. And that was mainly because we got a lot of activity from the text line and the phone line. So we are welcoming everyone out there that has something to say about this Chiefs team, maybe something that's going on around the NFL or in sports, social justice, coaches, hires. We're going to talk about it all today in our hour. But Barbershop, before we get to all that, we got to recap the Bills game. It seems like that was like four weeks ago. Because everybody is still on their high about getting a chance to go to a second straight Super Bowl, but what do you, what do you uh, what were your thoughts about the Bills game? I, mean, I think we just handled business. We uh, did what we need to do. We kept for the most part kept uh, Allen in the pocket. Um, brought some exotic blitzes that I think that um, Coach Spags kind of had under his hat or under his sleeve all season long. That obviously uh, Allen wasn't ready for. The offensive line wasn't ready to check out and check into things. Uh, ran some zero coverages. Ran some uh, you know one deep, some two deep. The safeties, man, when, when I go back and look at the film, the safeties were so great at dis- disguising their coverage. I mean, I couldn't, I, it, was, it wasn't until like almost two seconds into the snap where I really could be confident what Honey Badger was doing, Juan Thornhill, um, Dirty Dan. Those guys, were, they, were, they were playing quarters, halves, uh, helping, robbering. Um, man, that hit that on um, um, digs that Thornhill yeah. put on that, like being, being intentional, being aggressive. Um, it it just kept, you know, even as a, a guy looking at the film after I already knew the outcome of the game, um, I, I just still was questioning myself exactly what coverage some of these things are. And so I know from a, from a quarterback position, if you can make yourself look complete, it's like a chameleon. I mean, if you can disguise things to a point where uh, somebody, I mean, I watch the Chiefs every week. Yeah. And, and, and I still didn't recognize some of the some concepts of the they, were doing. they were doing on the back end. And that allowed Frank Clark to get home. And what well, we had uh, 10 quarterback hurries, four rushes, I mean, four sacks. 10 uh, quarterback knockdowns, whatever, and that one big interception. You know what? Uh, Searching for Bobby Fischer is one of my favorite movies. I'm a big chess guy, or at least like to watch when, uh, you know, chess matches. And I grew up on the East Coast. Both of us grew up on the East Coast, but I'm closer to New York City. So you, you see the Central Park and the chess matches, the things that go on in the movies and how they play the speed chess. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I kind of felt like the Bills game was a game of that speed chess in the beginning. And then inevitably somebody starts slowing down. Mm-hmm. Just like you see in those movies and in those matches is it's, you know, everything is pop, 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 move, pop, move, pop. And then all of a sudden it becomes move, 
pop. <laughs> you know what I mean? It becomes slow. And I kind of felt like the Bills had a, a conscious effort that they were trying to come into Arrowhead Stadium, establish the tempo, establish how the game was going to go to their speed level. Josh Allen, they didn't huddle early in the game. They just got up to the line of scrimmage, and he was trying to call out the plays. And what Sean McDermott recognized, I want to say maybe around the second or third series, is that there was a lot of confusion that was creeping into the head of Josh Allen, that he wasn't figuring things out as smoothly and quickly as he would have liked. And the fact that they were settling for field goals and not capitalizing on big plays. And even when they did have the big plays, it wasn't on schedule. And for people out there that don't know, when you say on schedule, if it's a three-step drop, it's three-step, three-step throw, five-step hitch throw, seven-step hitch, hitch throw. And if it's not on that, then it's off schedule. And now, like, Patrick Mahomes rolling to the right and throwing back to Travis Kelsey on the left, that's off schedule. And I, it not, I noticed that in the game from the booth that they were moving fast, but they weren't moving efficient. Mm-hmm. And then what happened is you had a young quarterback and, and a wily, uh, you know, knowledgeable coach that pulled the reins back a little bit and slowed things down. And then all of a sudden they were huddling and they were taking up some time on the clock and uh, on the play clock and moving the ball in a more normal offensive approach as opposed to stepping on the gas is like racing, you know, racing around on a, you know, in a, in a video game or, and you got your foot on the gas pedal down, you know, around it, you know, Dave and Buster's or whatever. And then all of a sudden you start to realize, whoa, I need to pull my foot off this gas pedal a little bit so I can have more control. And at that point, that's when I recognized the chiefs won. Now, the score obviously still needed to unfold, but the, those two factors, the fact that they were settling for field goals and the fact that they were the first pers- the first group to back off the gas pedal, slow down the speed chess, told me that the game was already won by the Chiefs because the Chiefs didn't make any of those changes. Mm-hmm. They came after with corner blitzes and safety blitzes off of each edge and Honey Badger lining at the line of scrimmage, then backing out to deep middle, Rover over the, over the middle, bracket coverage on Stephon Diggs. I mean, they were doing so many different things and rolling the dice at the same time. And sometimes rolling the dice, you might leave somebody open. They left Devin Singletary open on a swing route that probably could have been close to going to the house, and he dropped the ball. They just didn't make that play. So I thought it was a, a well-orchestrated, well-planned attack against a dangerous team and a dangerous quarterback. And then at the end, anytime you force a team to start throwing punches, that's when you know it's over. They knew it was over, and then it became personal to them, and they got in their feelings. Some of those guys probably played that game for free after getting fines for throwing punches and taking helmets off and and taking helmets off and talking to the refs and and so on and so forth. And that hasn't come out, but – uh, I thought the Chiefs showed that was the number two team in the AFC. And someone asked me about next year and what teams from the playoffs this year will show themselves as a, a strong competitor to the Chiefs. And I couldn't answer that question because there's such a gap in the AFC between number one and number two. That's what showed on Sunday is that the Bills might be number two, but they are so far down away from the Chiefs that three through seven that were in the playoffs got to be even lower than that. And I think that makes for this special team, special organization, a special run of three straight years hosting an AFC championship. 
and basically being a few inches away from winning all three and representing the AFC in the champion in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and you can also uh, thanks to the text line with nine one three that says the Bills de stunned after Casey dropped three TDs in the second quarter. Obviously, at the end of the first quarter, I looked up the scoreboard and I saw nine zero, and I was like, man, like. Uh, that's all I, you got? That's, yeah, like, 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 man, like we, you, you hit us with a haymaker. We dropped a punt. We gave you the ball on the one yard line. Um, you know, you, you had a couple of chance for field goal, and our offense is just getting warmed up and about to go. And the second quarter came, and then it was like six plays, fourteen nine. Now the defense for the Bills are on their heels because they mm-hmm. can't give up. Now, so now the pressure is like totally uh, – we're putting the pressure on them um, on, on, in every phase of that standpoint. And, and really at that point in the ball game is when I thought it was going to be like, that's it. Like, like we took their best punch. We didn't swagger. We didn't – it didn't phase us. Yeah. And now we came out rolling and we put them down on the canvas multiple times. Um, I was um, – wanted to ask you uh, at the beginning of the game when the, when the Bills didn't come out for introduction – did that ever get explained or talked about or even delimit or like you know how how was how did that come out from the booth standpoint? Yeah, so Mitch and I are in the booth. We're calling the game. We get through our pregame show. We talk about my keys to victory, and then I recognize. I'm sure Mitch already knew it, but I recognize. Hey, the other side is vacant. Mm-hmm. Nobody's out there. The Chiefs come running out, and I thought, well, surely the Chiefs wouldn't be the first team coming out of the tunnel on their home game, mm-hmm. and so that's when I put two and two together. And I thought there was some gamesmanship by Sean McDermott. I don't know if it was a player-led deal or if it was a coach-led deal. Let's get in their heads a little bit by not being out there for the home of the Chiefs. Uh, But I thought to some extent, again, there's going to be people that might hit me back on social media because of the kneeling and other stuff in the past. If I call this classless, then am I being hypocritical? I don't think I'm being hypocritical because – being on the sideline, to me, especially if the other team is on the sideline, to me, that's, that's normal. Yeah. Now, what you do on the sideline based on your beliefs and so on and so forth, that's something that we can talk about a whole separate argument. But to me, you should be on the sideline uh, in that situation, especially for the right to go to the Super Bowl. Now, if you kneel, if you are standing but don't have your hand over your chest, whatever that is, that's a whole separate conversation. You can't lump everything together. But I thought there was a little level of classness, classlessness in that, and um, but I, it didn't work for him. So I had a chance. So I, actually, I'm really good friends with Sean McDermott. You know, uh-huh. um, We was at the Eagles together. He was yep. a um, coach when I was there. I'm going to try to reach out to him and find out for some clarification exactly what was that all about. But I think it was an excellent, like from a coaching standpoint, like you're saying, gamesmanship. Yeah. Um, because I think as a player being uh, for the Chiefs and then being against the Chiefs, coming in here as an opponent and hearing the entire stadium when the national anthem goes, and it gets to that point when it's home of the – and you hear that roar of the crowd say Chiefs, it changes something. It does. It's like if I'm if I'm if I'm in the red, then it turns it turns my level from a ten to a fifteen. Yeah. But if I'm uh, an, an opponent and I'm getting myself ready to go, and that national anthem come, I'm 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 humbled, I'm honored, I'm trying to give the military their respect, and then I hear this crowd just rumbles, home of the Chiefs, and it just. It, it's it's it almost is a, it's like a wide awakening. It's like like oh my god, oh, like, what did I walk like into? That, yeah, yeah. What, <laughs> is, am I in a, a Thunderdome? <laughs> Two men in a one man league. Like what, what what did we sign up for here? Yeah, yeah. Like these juggers are coming. Yep. And, I, and, and, and to me, if I was a coach, I would never be out there during the national. 
just here in Arrowhead Stadium. Oh, so you would, I would never. I would. I would find a way, some excuse, or like, like, forget, like. I don't want my players shook from from that moment. Yeah, because it takes too long to get back in game to get mode. Right, it takes can't too get much. Right. To, no, can't get right after that, man. <laughs> and uh, but but as our as our players know, as you know, I mean, the flyover. Yeah, like all those moments to get you. You know, you already ready, you warm and ready, but it's those last boxes that need to be checked before you go out there and take somebody's head off. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And if I was a coach, I would definitely, I mean, I thought that when when I saw them out over there, I was like, man, McDermott, you know, round one is his. Like, like, man. like to me, he he, he got he, that he, off. He, at least he avoided, he avoided that first punch. Yeah. You know what? It, it, I understand it. I mean, I always told people from a player's perspective, we were up 7 nothing before the kickoff yep. because of the fans, because of how the, the kingdom rose up, and you were on this team, and I was on this team before the renovations when everybody was outside. It was just suites inside. You didn't have a really indoor uh, aspect of it, and that roar during the national anthem, that brought you to a different level as a player Especially like there were times I'm an offensive guy, but I cover kickoffs. I'm like, I want to kick off. Like, I hope we lose this. I hope we lose oh, or hope we Coin win flip. it. And we and we defer and they take the ball because I really, really want. And I felt sometimes the different way if we didn't kick off versus when we received. Yeah. And that and that just tells you how how crazy I am as well. But yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Gonna recap quickly on the Bucks and the Packers game and the fact that we have old school versus new school in this Super Bowl representing maybe the handoff that everybody's talking about. And we still have to talk about Eric Bieniemy and the NFL hires around the league. And we're going to get back to that in the second quarter. This is Players Only with Damon Hughes and Joe Mays on 610 Sports Radio. And we're back. Players Only back in the building each and every week, just like we are. We got Sean Barber. Joe Mays is not with us tonight. Sean Barber and I am Damon Hughes, former wide receiver with the Chiefs. And this is the second quarter of our show. As each and every week, our show is sponsored by our friends at U.S. Bank. Whatever your passion, U.S. Bank can help turn it into your next pursuit. We got the Comfort Systems Heating and Cooling Hotline open, as well as Jay's Southland Tow Service text line 913-576-7610. And we got some activity. Let's go to Dan and KCK. What's up, Dan? Hi, Dan. Hi, Sean. Yeah, it was a great job by the defense. They did a really good job of containing Allen in the pocket. And uh, I told my uh, uh, customer uh, and my friend, Dean, that the Joe would stop digs. He would listen to me. 77 yards and a great. And it was great that uh, that they came and uh, and consoled Hardman, you know. Yeah, he, yeah, he made a mistake, but he was there with the, with the skill overcoat over the head. And Mahomes said, hey, we got a long ways to go. Then after that, 50-yard run. So it's a great job. Let's take care of the Patriots, I think. Spagnuolo have a great He owns Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Take care of yourself, guys. We appreciate Dan. Dan needs to have, like, remember when they have the fastest two minutes on ESPN? <laughs> that should be, like, Dan should be the fastest 60 seconds. Might even be 30 seconds. We appreciate you, Dan. We love the energy each and every week and totally agree with you on how they were able to build back up McCall Hardman when he was down. That's probably one of my favorite takeaways from this AFC championship. I think it'll be one of the bigger stories of this season if they're able to cap off this Super Bowl with another win. Yeah, depth in a, in a roster sometimes prevents a coach from being able to go back to young guys after a mistake because you have so many guys deserving an opportunity and a chance when you when you miss that catch or fumble that ball or fumble that punt. Well, it, 
we got three other guys can do it. It's the next guy man up type mentality. But Coach Reed has shown over the past in the history when somebody makes a mistake, we, we can go back to um, Kareem Hunt right, against the Patriots, that yeah. fumble on the first carry. First carry of his career. We, d- we just kept fe- feeding him and feeding him the rest of the game, and he had a, a tremendous a, a career-breaking uh, game against the Patriots. And, again, with McCole Hartman, same thing, young guy. First, you know, in the second year, um, there's going to be some, 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 some growing pain still. He's still developing as a uh, kick returner, also as a wide receiver, and as a man, in, in just, just as a young man. And like you say, he was so disappointed in himself. You saw him in the highlights on Twitter and everything. Puts his head under the coat, and he has you know all the leaders coming over to him, right? Yep. Kelsey, Pat Mahomes, obviously his coaches, Coach Greg, um, Greg Lewis, all of them just, just continue. Hey man, long game. Go yep. ahead, go ahead, and make, go out there and make some plays, right? It's a team. Um, don't let don't let the team down. Just continue to keep your head in it, and uh, we we got faith in you. Let's go make some plays, and that's what that young man did. Yeah, to me, and I mentioned it during the post game, towards the end of the game as well. It was uh, just like last year, an emotional game. Probably not as emotional as last year's run to the Super Bowl, but it was emotional and part of the reason why I enjoyed the AFC Championship this year so much was because a moment like that. And in the booth with Mitch, I kind of went on a rant about how strong and how deep that is from a player's perspective. Heck, I'm a, I'm a father of five, grand, three grandkids, and you want to, you always strive as a player to have that extra stamp of approval or endorsement of confidence from your coach, just like you would from your parents. And to see that enacted in real life in the heat, most heated situation, like there's no more satisfaction that McCole Hardman could have as a player than to know that Big Red looked in his eyes, EB looked in his eyes, Greg Lewis looked in his eyes and said, hey, we got you. We're coming back to you. And I can I can adamantly believe that in those guys speaking on the headsets and coming up with the plays for that drive after, they had that in mind. That was a factor in calling that reverse to McCall Hardman. That was a factor in throwing the bubble screen at the two yard line to McCall Hardman. You can't, you won't be able to convince me any different that that wasn't, hey, we got to get 17 back in this and we got confidence and we're going to show them. Even though there's all the other guys that can run the play, Tyreek can run a bubble screen, Tyreek can run a reverse. We've seen D Rob run reverses and, and so on. We're going to get 17 back in the mix and here's how we're going to do it on the next drive. Yeah. And here's how we're going to do it in, in the red zone. And to me, yeah, you want the win, and obviously the win comes first and foremost, but it just shows how much Andy and the staff believe as men that you still got to keep sharpening guys and you can't let them be down, even trying to forsake a win for a loss or putting that on the line because I don't think that comes into play. But that was definitely one of my highlights of this season is to see that unfold in real life like it did. Mindset, mindset, mindset. You're always yeah, trying to build guys to be ready and prepared to – um, not react to what life does, but respond. Yep. Right. That's the, that's those two words. If you think about it, react and respond. Most people react to how life treats them. You get fired. You lose a job. You um, you get sick. All I mean, um, somebody hits your car. All the things in life that can knock you kind of off your day. You react to it, and then you think about it later. Man, I, you know, I overreact. Probably shouldn't have did. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. But when you talk about the word respond, how are you going to respond when life knocks you down? Yeah, You're going to think about it. You're going to have time to rebuild, regain your composure, and do exactly what McCole Hartman did. He responded to dropping that fumble. And unlike all those scenarios that you just mentioned, there's usually not 
millions of people watching when we have those situations. And yet we think back and say, you know what, we could have responded differently. But imagine being on a stage where millions of people see your mistake and they're waiting for your response. And that's how you come through. So, yes, great, great testament to the leadership on this team, uh, players and coaches and just the mindset of brother brotherhood that they have. Appreciate it. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. We got Jamaican Jim. What's going on, Jamaican Jim? Hey, Ken. Jamaican Ken, man. Oh, What's Tim. Hey, you. <laughs> What's up? What's hey, up, man? You. Hey, I want to give you kudos, man. I, I, kudos to you, man. You keep the you keep the the analyze the game during the stadium. You keep everybody on the edge, man know what's coming. So I want to tell you, good job doing that. I want to give you kudos to you. You're on the AP, man. I just got a few KT I want to share with you. Let, let, talk about um, LeBron Bell. You think we need him for next year? Because I don't know how much he contributed to the team. Um, and then penalty has been improved. I want to let you know that our penalty is cut down. Yep. And then the kicking team is getting better. We played those three phases like that that we did last week. You know we're going to win the Super Bowl. Appreciate you, Jamaican Tim. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate the support. Uh, we try to paint the color from the booth. Mitch is the best in the business, and I'm just right next to him trying to bring you guys an entertaining game with some insight that may you, you may or may not see. Barbershop does it on the pregame and postgame show with Chiefs Rewind, and uh, – you know, I try to bring it to you from the game's perspective as well. So we appreciate that support. And I, I agree. Cleaner football, this team, if they can play this, the three phases of the game in the way that they have, especially in this playoff run, we'll be hoisting a trophy next week. Well, we talk about Coach Andy Reid. One of his strong points as a coach is making an environment for guys to learn. And we talk about what do the Chiefs do better than everybody else. They, they do a lot more motioning and shifts, the yeah. shifts and motions, right? 80-some percent of the time. The thing that that leads to with most teams when try to when they try to recreate what the Chiefs are doing, false starts, misalignments, mm -hmm. uh, um, illegal formations, and those kind of penalties, most coaches get frustrated and they stop doing it. Yeah. So they, they you know, we're not gonna shift in motion. We're gonna line up and run the play and go about it. That that adds an extra layer of um, every time we shift in motion, the defense has to, it, your eyes have to move from a different key. Um, as a linebacker against a certain set. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm keying the center uh, guard running back triangle. Well, when you shift in motion, Tariq Hill, well, now I got to go to the, the tight end, and now I'm looking at the tight end tackle. Well, then he comes back in motion. Well, now I got to go back to that primary. Re so every play, you got multiple players on the defense have to uh, train their eyes to go from a different key to a different key. And now when that play is run and you got pulling guards and you got the reverse motion, man, key every, key everybody eyes are everywhere. Yeah. And that's what leads to some of those big plays like we saw the Kelsey um, on that rollout to yep. the right with the throwback to Kelsey. One guy's eyes was in the wrong place, and he, he thought he had something when he didn't, and that left Kelsey wide open. Yeah, I, I, I'll specifically go back to, and I know he'll probably, he's a stud right now. He's going to get better. Patrick Queen, the linebacker for the Ravens. When we played the Ravens earlier this season, it looked like his head was spun, spinning around, looking side to side. He didn't know which direction things were coming from. So I think a lot of times people, especially if plays don't work or they get too cute or you feel like they rolled the dice too much, you get down against all the shifts and motions and the, the whirly bird motion that you see Tyreek Hill run as well as McCall Hardman. 
there is a method to the madness. Yes. And like you said, it's a it's about getting guys unsure about their responsibilities and undisciplined with their eyes because that's where you can take advantage of the their those miscues. So yeah, I, I love the fact the creativity of this offense. I think it adds some excitement to it. And we're gonna see a lot more. You got Big Red and Eric Bieniemy and Steve Spagnolo with two weeks to formulate a game plan for the biggest game of the season. So I can only imagine, just like we saw last year with the Rose Bowl set and shovel passes and option run for the uh, pl- touchdown and, uh, you know, wasp, all, you know, all that creativity will be on center stage next week. You know, certain coaches, they um, overthink things. I think yeah. if, you, if you listen to some audio of Sean McVay, uh, with the Rams, he talks about how much he, he he watched too much film. Yeah, he had too much time to develop too many different concepts, and he thought the, the Patriots doing things they didn't do. And if you think about Coach Andy Reid when he's given a bye week, given the extra time to think about things, um, it's like they they have time to really like the text line said. Kansas City is a tight team. We definitely we tighten the screws up. We yeah. tighten the screws up. We don't become tight as a team. We don't play like we're scared. Everybody does th- those fine tuned details about what you're supposed to be doing, what your job, and which th- we we find time to detail our work is what it's called. Yeah, professionals, pros, championship mindset is about detailing your work. Well, we're gonna get more detailed about this team. I want to talk more about. The 2019 versus 2020 run, the difference between each team and where we stand right now. And we still have to talk about the NFL hires. We're going to talk about that after halftime. This is Players Only with Damon Hughes and Joe Mays on 610 Sports Radio. Halftime's over. Players Only is back. Sean Barber in the building. I am Damon Hughes, and we got active Phone lines, text lines, and we want to get right to it. Brian from Lee Summit, what you got going on, Brian? Hey, what's going on, guys? Love the show. Also love your take on McCole Hardman and the whole team just rallied around him. But uh, what I wanted to ask, there's a lot of stuff going on in the media about, uh, you know, the Chiefs maybe sandbagging the half part of the season and maybe not trying as hard as they possibly could. But, uh, I mean, you guys as former players, is there any validity to that? I mean, do there is there any case where people actually do that? And uh, appreciate you taking my call. Thanks a lot, Brian Barbershaw. What you got? I mean, I can speak from the defensive side of the ball. Um, when you're developing a complete defense, there are different phases and different things you actually work on week in and week out. Right? You have your you have your five plays that's kind of known as your bread and butter things that you. This is who we are. We're going to be a, a in-your-face press team. We're going to do cover zero. Like we're going to, it's certain things you, you got to do. Well, around that, those, 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 those fundamental elements, there are still skill development things you have to work on um, week in and week out. And sometimes you turn the page. You want to work on that. And I said that um, there, were, there were certain elements of that Raiders game that we had, you know, we, 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 we consciously put certain players in some very tough decisions, in yeah. some very tough positions against some extremely fast <laughs> receivers, against an extremely athletic tight end. Um, so they can work on certain things. Um, if we go two years back against the Green Bay Packers, we put our linebackers on Aaron Jones, locked him up man-to-man with no help over and over again that entire game. And it, Yes, it cost us that ball game, but it also taught us some things about the coverage ability and some, you know, what, what needed to be worked on. And so sometimes you have growth moments throughout the season that you're just working on things. A lot of times, yeah. A lot of times. And, and then when you get to the end of the season for these last two or three weeks is when you put all that together, all those ingredients together. And the, the phenomenal thing about this defense, as 
as we as we did against uh, last year, right? It was like week twelve when the defense came together after the Titans game, and it was just a whole new defense. It seems like this playoff defense is right. It doesn't matter if we was thirty second in the red zone during the regular season. Like again, it was certain things we were working on that nobody had to know what it was. But now the things that it's do or die. You you make your tomorrow. Our defense is now working um, together as a unit. And all, and, and no matter what the scenario is, guys are very confident and they trust each other. And we're seeing guys playing with the proper leverage, intensity, and now we're seeing our guys flying around and make hits. Yeah. Juan Thornhill, man, he played a, he played an awesome game. Um, he's played as good as a game I've seen since um, since the injury. Before his knee. Yep. Yep. You know what uh, I would say, and piggybacking off a of barbershop, don't mistake growth uh, and a step by step process as sandbagging. There's no sandbagging in in the NFL. Um, There's never a situation that I've been a part of as a player or otherwise where I heard players taking off because of whatever, whatever excuse there is. Guys go out there, they play 100% or you get hurt. And that's what I was always taught. You play anytime, most of the injuries that you see on the field, you know, Eric Fisher, that's a freak accident. Achilles ball now as he's in his past set. But most other injuries, it's guys standing around a pile, don't go in with the proper technique on a tackle, get lazy with their hands or with their feet, and next thing you know, they get rolled up, ankle, knee, blah, blah, blah. You go 100% all the time. That's how you're trained. That's how you're drilled. That's how you're brainwashed. And <laughs> you you have no other option to not do that. And um, so, yeah, there's no taking time off. Uh, I can tell you, you know, they expected to be here. So I think human nature shows that, you know what, sometimes you might, not saying that you lose focus, but you know what the end goal is and you just hope that you can fast forward to it. It's like, you know, three days before Christmas, if you're a kid, you like, you know, it's there. Let's hurry up and get there. Yeah. I might not be the best. <laughs> I might not be best for for Santa Claus over these next two days because I want to hurry up and get to Christmas. Now, Christmas is next week for this Chiefs team. We appreciate all the calls. Brian, outstanding job. We got the text line open. But before we get to the text line, and I want to get that get to them in the fourth quarter of this show, this third quarter is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Whatever your passion, U.S. Bank can help turn it into your next pursuit. I want to go through the NFL hires because we obviously have a, a, a situation here and I'm going to let it breathe a little bit after, <laughs> after barbershop chimes in. Uh, but we had seven openings for head coaching jobs and no one from the chiefs was a recipient of any of those jobs. And barbershop, I want to get your, your thoughts on this whole debacle that I want to call it. I mean, you guys, I mean, if I'm looking at it from a chief standpoint, then I'm clapping my hands and I'm, I'm realizing that we just now created more separation between ourselves and everybody else. Like every, every year, I believe the teams that are in the AFC championship game, and NFC championship game, if I'm a team that's losing, I want to get something from a winner. I want, I want, I want, I want a winning mentality in mm-hmm. my building. Yep. So OC, D, uh, D, uh, defense coordinator, quarterback, something from one of those winning teams, those two teams, I, I want that in my building because I want my players to understand he knows what it takes to get to that level. If I go around picking and plucking teams from non-playoff teams, I've already I'm, that's 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 just more of what we already have. So I think the separation, the gap, the 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 gap between the Chiefs and everybody else, even before next season starts, has already got the 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 the, the divide is even greater right yeah. now, based off of people's uh, if you want to call it lack of interest or lack of smarts or whatever term you want to use it, um, the leadership development that goes on here in Kansas City and the the the, the great leaders as uh, we have with Coach Tobe, Coach Bienemy. Um, 
um, Coach Bagnola. Um, we get to re- retain all of that knowledge and wealth here in the kingdom for another season, another off season. I think our guys will just develop and grow at a greater rate than everybody else in the league. You know what? It, you know, it's one of those bittersweet type of deals because you recognize the greatness that you have and human nature is that you want to keep all that and embrace everything about it because this could be an epic dynasty and run that we have not seen in the NFL for a very long time. But yet, you want people to have their props. You want people to have their due. And unfortunately, when I look at this list, Brandon Staley, Nick Sirianni, Arthur Smith, Urban Meyer, Robert Sala, Dan Campbell, and David Culley, very few names on that list, to me, warrant being above the three names that you mentioned uh, just a second ago. And then add Kafka to that list as well. So four guys on this Chiefs organization, to me, would warrant probably more than half of the names to replace half of the names on that list that I've shown. And part of the reason is you have a team that's won, that's been to three straight AFC championships, hosted all three, gonna is two straight Super Bowls, possibly win two straight Super Bowls, and I don't think that there has been any precedent that you've seen in the past that mirrors this to the extent that no one from that staff leaves. And it kind of goes along with what you said, Barbershop. I do believe there's some racial component. I do believe that some of the standards and status that is put on excuses why Eric Bieniemy did not get a job or garner a job after 15-plus interviews over his years uh, are excuses that were not given to other people. Uh, People always want to say, well, he doesn't call the plays. Well, name one person on this list or name more than – two or three people on this list that call plays. Mm-hmm. Um, what about when Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy were here? They are pretty much the same. Andy didn't stop or start calling plays after those guys left. Uh, so I think there's some misnomers out there that are unfortunate. There are multiple components that can be true. I think we learned that whether whether it's through the pandemic or the craziness that we have dealt with in our in our society this year, multiple things can be true. It's not a one thing only that uh, situation that factors in. And it's unfortunate because I think uh, Eric Bieniemy is a great guy. He's shown to be a great man, a great leader of men. And like I mentioned last week, and I went on a rant last week where I said, name me a team in NFL history, in sports history, that have actively gotten endorsements from the head coach and the star players publicly in the midst of a dynasty run to actually have somebody leave. It's never happened before. I would, I would venture to believe no, someone has to prove me wrong to say that actively from the star quarterback, tight end, running back, wide receiver, head coach, and everyone else, defensive back and, and the honey badger, everyone that speaks about Eric Bieniemy speaks to the fact that they want him to leave to get a head coaching job, even though they are going on three straight AFC championships and now two straight Super Bowls. It's never happened before. So to me, if there are owners out there that are running their business for their teams and they're not factoring that in, especially with Andy Reid and his reputation, they are sorely missing a great opportunity to upgrade their organization. And yeah, that benefits us, but it's unfortunate for EB. And, and, you know, the, the way I see this, this kind of playing itself out is there are certain coaches that have, um, when I say overqualified, 
it's almost like they they are they are so perfect fit to to be able to do such a great job that a a a organization that lacks great leadership has a problem uh, identifying leadership, yeah. and that's the, that's the problem. The 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 people right now that are uh, you know the, the the hiring firms or the, the the people that are telling the you know Houston Texans and the uh, Detroit Lions and all these other in the Jack like hey this is this is who you should be looking for this is the style of of of, of bright mindedness and you got to have somebody who's super creative no nah, man a head coach a head coach does does one thing he creates an environment for guys to learn yeah that, that's what they do they 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 make sure that the waters are calm. They make sure that when the ship is getting a little rocky, people ain't jumping off. You mean like people ain't biting kneecaps no, and stuff? No, I ain't never. Never had a coach. A lot of never football. Will. A lot of football in my life. I've, I've heard a lot of coaches. I listen to a lot of coaches. I, I mean, there's a lot of football in my life. I ain't never, <laughs> never. And that's what I'm saying. That's, that man, that was very unique. Yes. Never heard nobody talking about biting no kneecaps. And, and I don't care if people want to excuse the fire from a player's perspective, especially at that level, that does not resonate in the locker room. We think you are crazy. <laughs> you are not necessarily a person that will lead us to the promised land, especially an organization like the Lions that hasn't done very much positive. So, uh, yeah, contrary to maybe some people might think, uh, that will probably bode to be a bad move by the Detroit Lions, but it'll be a string of bad moves that we've hey, seen Danny, from but real him. quick, you know what I think about him? Uh, I think he knew what they wanted. Like, he, he he knew that the guy before him was, like, Silent Bob. Yeah. Never said a word. So me. he went the extra oh, opposite. I'm going to go so turn. opposite. <laughs> and I'm going to start talking about kneecaps and yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff. So he did what he had to do to get a job. Yep, unfortunately. So we'll be back. We got the fourth quarter coming up. We need to beg Steven Spector for an extra hour during the playoff the runs playoffs. and Super Bowl runs. If we get there next year, we're going to lock the doors. We ain't changing nothing. But we do got to take a break. We'll come back for the fourth quarter real quick, get to our text line. We'll see what's going on there. Whoop, whoop. This is Players Only with Damon Hughes and Joe Mays on 610 Sports Radio. And we're back. Fourth quarter of the show. Time has flown by. We only got a few minutes left. A lot of great topics. A lot of great texts, Barbershop. Well, let's go with the 660. Do we know exactly what's going on with EB in these meetings? Is it Could he be completely happy in Kansas City just waiting for Andy Reid to retire? What are our feelings about that? You know what? I, I think he's happy here, but he's he, he has shown and talked about wanting a head coaching job, but it has to be a situation where it's right for him. And also, just letting it breathe a little bit, I had texted out that there was going to be big news in the Chiefs' kingdom this week. I had gotten word from someone close to that Houston Texans situation that EB, it was his job basically to lose without any more interviews. And I think it came down to recognizing, and I don't know David Cully, but recognizing that maybe the structure above is more conducive to someone that will fall in line versus someone who might want to run his own ship because he's come from greatness and seen greatness at hand. That was that was the big news. So every people that every person has been tweeting at me, what was the big news? That was supposed to be the big news. And unfortunately, a, a dysfunctional Houston Texans organization turned left away from that those sources and that information I had. And then the 785 talks about prior to the Packer game, the Bucks only had two sacks in the playoffs. Both came against the Washington Redskins. I mean, the Washington football team. Excuse my French. <laughs> 
They have uh, um, and they have seven total in three games against playoff teams. And what do we think about that? Obviously, I think that you know, like I said, I think we stated before, the Chiefs have uh, over uh, four sacks, um, ten pressures, and interception against a very mobile um, Allen against a Buffalo Bill team that was doing very well at protecting the QB um, against Baker Mayfield. I think we did a, tr- a tremendous job uh, forcing him to be out of the pocket making them uh, make throws on the move. I think our defense does a great job of knowing and understanding um, play recognition. We know when plays are supposed to be three-step quick hitters, our guys are phenomenal about rerouting guys, getting in their face, being aggressive, trying to throw off timing. And then when throws are trying to go uh, deep, second-level play-action pass, that gives our D-line a little bit of extra chance to get there, and we've been phenomenal about, we call it green dog, and adding yeah. to a rush, bringing an extra person. And our guys on the back end have been awesome at playing cover zero, using the sideline, using all your, your help and your leverage to play the coverage the correct way. So I think we've just been executing at a higher level than any other team right now defensively in the playoffs. Yep, and we go to the text line from the 785. Does Danon know his first TD like Barbershop didn't know his first sack? Yes, I do absolutely know my first touchdown. It was against my home state, New York Giants, here at Arrowhead Stadium. It was 322 Y stick, and I had the backside spot route mm. in the red zone. Steve Bono to me for my first, tu- first regular season touchdown. I had some preseason, but... First regular season touchdown. Again, that diva, he, he you know confirms it. that diva status. <laughs> got a, got a, a photographic memory of all the touchdown catches. Like, you know, I scored a touchdown. I don't, I don't even – I didn't remember who it was. I gave the re- ball to referee. Here, take this. I'll, I'll be back. I'll that, be back. Ultimately, that's because as an offensive guy, we have a stronger capacity of memory and <laughs> – you know, the defensive guys are just thumpers. They, you know, they lose those brain cells on every single play. But we appreciate everybody listening in the players only. This fourth quarter was brought to you by U.S. Bank. Whatever your passion, U.S. Bank can help turn it into your next pursuit. Julio directing the traffic. We appreciate you, Barbershop. Man, I got Joe Mays. Joe the Mays. Center, man. Get down there and get your treatment. Get rested up. Get, get your woosah. Get your woosah going. And we'll see him next week. And then after that. We're going to have ourselves another party in the state of Florida for this Super Bowl 55 coming up. Thanks again. Players only. We'll be back in the building next Thursday. We'll chop it up. We'll get into the game plan as well as the keys to victory for this Chiefs. Old school versus new school. We'll see you then. with Damon Hughes and Joe Mays on 610 Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.